Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. I'm going to get right into the word here in a minute. I've got to tell you something funny. Can I tell you something funny? You know, nothing funny's happened this weekend. You know that. <laughs> Last night was crazy. If you'd missed it, you just missed it. The water up here is very different. Especially when you wash your hair. And the pastor knows about this, you understand? And pastor's wife, we talked about it, didn't we? Okay, it's like you never get the shampoo out. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? So, you have soft water here or something? Now, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. When you have gray hair, this is the worst water because your hair does its own thing. It's like, I'm in Alaska, baby. I'll do what I want to do, you know? And you, this is sticking out and you're trying to pull that one down, uh, you know, slicking this one down anyway. But that's the only thing I've seen up here that's, that's difficult. Everything else is great. So give the Lord a hand for everything else is great. <laughs> it's really... My wife and I talked about it. We're having a good, we just want to say thank you for being here. This will be, if, the, if you won't be in, if you're not in the second service, this will be the uh, last time I'll see you at, uh, at least this year. And so thank you for the opportunity. It means so much to me anytime I can go minister. And I just want to thank the Lord for the opportunity. And I want to brag on the Lord. This is the first time in about, uh, physically, I'm talking physically, in about two and a half years that I felt sustained physically throughout the whole time I've been in the, We've done, we've done about 13 services and about a year ago, a year and a half ago, that would have been impossible for me. I, I, there's no way I could have made it through the first one physically. I would just sat down in a chair. In fact, I preach sitting from a chair sometimes. Say, but thank, everybody say, thank the Lord for his help. Okay. Luke chapter four. If you have your Bible, we're going to talk about the test. Somebody say the test. Luke chapter four, 13 through 14. And I will be using, I think, just the regular King James translation here. And this is the temptation of Jesus. And it says this in Luke 4, 13 through 14. When the devil, when the devil had ended <clears throat> all the temptation. Somebody say it comes to an end. All right. He departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all of the region. Now, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to give these two verses to you quickly. Genesis 22 and 1. And it came to pass that God did tempt Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, offer your son Isaac up on the mountain. I will show you. The third verse is James chapter 1 and verse 13. If you're taking notes, you can just write the verse down. Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted, as you know the rest of the verse, when he's drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. Um, when Abraham, let's, let's look at this verse in Genesis 22 for just a minute. When Abraham was told to offer Isaac on Mount Moriah, many people do not realize their age. The child was, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah was about 90 years of age. They'd waited 25 years for the promise to come to pass. But if you look at the chronology of the book of Genesis, I'm going to shock some of you. I always heard it preached that Isaac was a little boy, right? You know, eight years old, 10, 12. No, here we go. Ready? He was between 35 to 37 years old. Now, you tell me 
what 35-year-old man is going to lay down on a piece of wood and the daddy got a knife in his hand. Are you listening to me, somebody? And so I think Isaac is probably thinking, well, dad's kind of experimenting with me, making sure everything is right. So Isaac finally says, hey, where's the lamb? I'm going to start laughing again. I mean, you, you see this picture and you're thinking, Isaac don't even know what's going on here. Abraham knows what's going on here. Now, I want to say this to you that I have heard people on YouTube or television say this. God of the God of the Jews and the Christians is sadistic. Who, what God would tell you to kill your kid and burn him up on an altar? It was only a test. God was never going to allow that boy to be burnt. God was never going to allow the day. He was doing this. Now watch me. In Jerusalem, on Mount Moriah, on an altar to see, will my covenant man take his only covenant son and give him up? Because God said, if a human man will do it, I will take my son and put him on a cross on the same mountain. That's all it was about. It was to say, Abraham, you're willing, I'm willing. If you can do it, I'll do it. So it was a preview. And the second reason you need to understand this, uh, this offering is because you had to establish in the Old Testament what is called types and shadows. In other words, you had to have an imagery of the Messiah. And right there in Genesis 22, you have Abraham, you have God. You have Abraham's only son. Jesus is God's only son. They go to Mount Moriah. Jesus is crucified on Mount Moriah. Isaac, is laid, Isaac carried the wood. Jesus carried the cross. Isaac is laid on the wood. Jesus is laid on the cross. And so a ram took the place of being caught in the thicket. So in other words, everything was a pattern of what was to come to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. So that's what I've got to get you to understand. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Now say tested with me. Tested. Offered up Isaac, and, and he who received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So in other words, the point is, Abraham believed, God gave me a promise, God cannot lie, God cannot go back in his word. So if I were to offer him, a nation can't come from a dead boy. So I will stand back and watch God put him all back together again and recreate him. That's what, that's what Paul said. He said he counted God able to just raise him up. So he wasn't worried about the test. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, here's what you need to know. Quit worrying about the test. Now we're going to go somewhere. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go to some Greek word studies with me? This is going to be fascinating. If you'll catch this, this is going to be fascinating. In King James translation of Genesis 22 and 1, God did tempt Abraham. Now, in all sincerity to the King James translators, that is a very poor word to choose for that verse. Because when it, we read it in the English language and we understand the word tempt, we understand it as the word temptation. So God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But Genesis 22 in the English translation says God did tempt Abraham. Now, that's a complete contradiction. God cannot tempt you. God tempts you. And critics 
will pick apart the Bible on verses like that and say it's a big contradiction. And I read an internet article, 122 contradictions. That was one of them. This is where you have to go back to the original language, Old Testament in the Hebrew, New Testament in the Greek, and you've got to look at the word to say what is the best word or a better word to understand. And the best word there by tempt, and, and the word, let me say this, in the Hebrew, the actual word tempt means to test by an adventure. To, to try, to assay, putting metal in a fire to purify it. That's what the meaning of it is. This word test is better used, I'm sorry, this word tempt is better used in Hebrew as test. So it means God did put Abraham to a test. Now doesn't that make better sense than using the word tempt here? <clears throat> and that's what it means. Now, Having talking about a test, how many of you feel like that you've ever been through something that tested your patience? <laughs> the whole church shouted amen. That's the best amen we've heard all morning. How many of you that have feel, like, feel like that you have been through tests in your family, your children, your grandchildren, companions? Ooh, watch raising your hands on that one. But how many have been through just a test? You, you know what testing is. Raise your hands because we want to get a foundation established that you know what I'm about to talk about. What is interesting to me, and I'm going to go to my notes here <clears throat> because I haven't talked about this in a long time, but I'm going to read this to you so I'll get it correct. There are two words in the New Testament, the King James translation. The word test is not used in the New Testament, <clears throat> but there are two words that have the connotation of being tested, two Greek words. One of the words, and remember, the New Testament, we have it in English, but the original language was the Koine Greek. This is the Greek word that is used. There is a word called dokimazo. Can you say dokimazo? Dokimazo in the ancient manuscripts of Greece meant this, a doctor who has to go through passing a medical examination, a, a test, a test to qualify him to get his medical degree. So at Dokimazo in classical Greek, they would use this word to say he has passed his medical examination. And that's not the, the word we'd use today, but the, um, you understand it to become a physician. He's passed that. It's like the bar exam for a lawyer. You have to pass it to be officially have your certificate to be a lawyer. Same thing is true in the medical sciences. You have to go through, through study and college and universities to get to a certain level. Then you take big tests. How many, how many nurses are here? You have to take those nursing tests. They don't want you, put, uh, they don't want you putting an IV in somebody's arm and you sticking it in their ear. Come on, somebody, you know, that's not how, how it works. So you have to go through somebody shout test. Yeah. Dokimazo is where you go through and ex you, you take a test to see if you can pass the test. Dokimazo means in Greek, passing an examination. The simplest way for me to describe it for the young people is you study, 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 and you have final exams. And if you pass the final exams, you move on to another level. Get this in the spirit of what I'm saying. When you pass the exam, God qualifies you to go into the next level uh, with him and the next walk of relationship with him. You have to pass the test based on, listen to me, the knowledge that you have received. All test results are based on, did you pay attention? All test results are based on, did you hear? 
All test results are based on, did you listen? No wonder the Lord says in the book of Revelation seven times, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Because the, it, all information comes through either sight or sound of hearing. So if you have dull ears or dull hearing, guess what's going to happen to you? You're not going to get the information in your spirit that when the test comes to be able to know how to respond or how to react to the test. So hearing, take, what does Jesus say? Take heed to what you hear. He said, take heed to how you hear. Because there's a right way and a wrong way to hear something. I'll give you an example. You can hear a news report and five different people will give you five different responses. If they like the person they're reporting on negatively, they'll fuss about the media. Oh, come on, somebody. If they hate the person the media is reporting on, they'll say, that's it, go get them. Be careful how you hear. Because what you hear and how you hear is going to be how you react to not only what you have heard, but it's going to be able to react in your knowledge of how to pass the test. Now, here's another statement. It's this word dokimazo is used in the New Testament for a good outcome as it is related to a test. A good outcome. Now... Let's flip it on its ear. Let's flip the coin to the other side from heads to tails. There is a second Greek word that deals with testing or temptation in the Bible. It is the Greek word perazo. Everybody say perazo. Perazo means to pierce something with the intent of searching what is on the inside of it. Totally opposite of dokimazo. To pierce something through... And in, again, in, Greek, in the Greek, it would be like a vessel that has something in it, and it's pierced to see what is in it. Is it wine? Is it oil? Is it water? Is it sea? What's in that vessel? So if you don't know what's in the vessel, you pierce the vessel to see what comes out of the vessel because, mm, help me, Holy Spirit, because when God went, sent Israel into the wilderness, it said he did test Israel. He did tempt. Again, Hebrew is test. And it says that God sent them there to prove them to see what was in them. See, they thought they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Because one of the first things they did was build a gold cow. Do you know why they built a gold cow? Because in the land of Egypt, Apis, or Apis as we would say in English, but Apis was a deity that was a false god, and he was the deity of agriculture to bring prosperity and food. Now watch this. So they make a gold cow representing this god of Egypt because they were in a wilderness where there was no food. And they said, we're going to pray to a god that the Egyptians prayed to to help get us agriculture or food in the middle of this desert. So their intent, Satan used a bad intent, needing food, needing agriculture. We're in the desert. We've got to pray to somebody to provide for us. Not no knowing that God was testing them and he was going to send the manna and the help that they needed in the wilderness, but they're going to go in the opposite direction. Everybody understand that? Shout yes. So God tested them to prove what was in them. Now, th this, uh, this word, uh, perazzo, is translated as tempted 
14 times in the New Testament, it says that Christ was tempted. It's used in the temptation. It also is used where the Bible talks about how Israel tempted God. And it, again, what this word means in the New Testament, in the original language, is to, to, to pierce something through to discover if it's inside is good, <laughs> if what's in it is good, or if what is in it is bad. And here's another thing, to, to, to find out what particular weakness is on the inside that, you better listen to this now, that if not dealt with, will eventually affect them on the outside. Because out of the abundance of the heart cometh all these bad things. So if the bad is already in the heart, guess what will happen eventually? It will manifest outwardly eventually. Because Satan will put the temptation of what's in your heart before you to make you react on the temptation that's in your heart. So what does God do? He allows a test to come to show you what's really in you. Let me say it to you this way. When I preach to young people, I always say, to, I always tell them uh, real quick, and I got to get through this real quick, but I always tell them the story of when I met Pam. One time I was going to surprise Pam before we were married. I drove all the way from, where was I living at that time? Uh, Virginia, Salem, Virginia. <laughs> See, thank you for remembering. Uh, <laughs> you can tell it was a great event in my mind because I don't even know where I was living at the time. <laughs> I was in Virginia and I drove to Northport, Alabama and I called Charlotte. She was living with a family and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to see Pam. Oh, oh, so Pam goes to the gym and when Pam goes to the gym with the girl, she takes the shower, her hair is straight, there's no makeup on her face and Charlotte kept saying, Pam, now you might need to fix up. Pam said, what do I want to fix up for? I'm just at home, we're going to eat dinner. Pam, why don't you fix yourself up? So I got to see, watch this now, this is funny, she's heard me say this. I got to see Pam the way she would look when I'd wake up every morning. Come on, somebody, that's what I'm talking about. Because can I tell you this, all these stupid movies, and you, you, don't, you don't catch it when you watch them, but here's this husband and wife, and they're in love, and they just went to sleep, and they wake up, and they're passionately kissing each other. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I want you all to know that they're not married, that does not happen, that is a lie, that's a deception of the devil, because when you wake up beside your wife or husband in the morning, you go, oh my God, what did you eat last night? Dear Lord. Is that true? If I'm preaching the truth, raise your hand. Come on, couples, help me understand. So what I'm trying, I can't start laughing. We'll never get through, I'm, I promise. We're gonna, get, we're gonna take control of this. So what happens is I want to, I tell the, the kids, you need to see them without the makeup. You need to see them in their normal attire because that's who you will live with. Now, if you love them as they are, then you're in love. Come on, I'm preaching now, right? Okay, because there's nothing there that covers. You see them as they are. By the way, she looks pretty with or without makeup. I've told her that her whole life. She really does, and that's the truth. Now, the, this word, perazzo, also means to test an object before it gets to the market to make sure it has no flaws in it. So when you're in ministry many times, I want to say this if I was preaching a ministry class, God does not put you on the stage or in front of people for some time. And the reason is he has to make sure that there's no flaws in you before you stand before the people. 
So sometimes people say, I just don't understand why God didn't open the door. I'm mad at it. That's your problem right there. You got anger issues and you're going to get on the platform and you're going to see the people not worshiping with you. And instead of you said, come on, folks, well, let's worship. What's wrong with you people today? You bunch of dead people. I tell you one thing, half of you ain't even saved. And I've seen young preachers do that and young worship leaders do that because there was a flaw on the inside of them. And God is not going to let you get up on a platform and tell people how to do it until you know how to do it. That's all right, all right, all right, all right. Parazzo is used for pressure. The Greek word is used for pressure that men can fold up under. It is, watch this, this is, this is interesting. It is always used in connection with a satanic temptation that the devil brings against a person. And what Satan is doing is he's trying to exploit a person's weakness by using a test or a temptation to break down their will creating a physical or moral weakness of some kind. Now, let's go back to the first word, dokimazo. It is used of God and not used of Satan. Here's some examples where the, the word, when the Bible says in Luke 14, 19, that the man went, wanted to prove five yoke of oxen, the word dokimazo is used. In Romans 12 and 2, the renewing of the mind to prove the will of God, dokimazo is used. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, if a person has faith, testing to see if they have faith, dokimazo is used. Hold fast that which is good, holding fast. First Thessalonians 5, 21, dokimazo. Approved of God, something being approved of God is, uh, is dikmos, which means to be approved after you've gone through the testing. You become approved of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now let's go back to this original word of about testing something to see what's in them. I'm going to give you one a good example here from the New Testament. When Jesus was feeding the multitude, he asked Philip, you don't, hear, you don't read much about Philip in the New Testament, you read about him here, and it says that he said to Philip, we need to go get some bread and fish. Now, you know when there's a crowd like that, you're going to have to have fishing boats and bakeries running 24 hours a day. There's no way you're going to get enough bread. So Philip takes his calculator, actually probably a, a, something to just scratch with and write down, and he starts calculating, and he figured out how much money they had in the offering, how much the bread and fish is going to cost, and he comes back to Jesus and said, we got a problem here. There, there's not enough bread in Tiberias and not enough fishing boats out there for us to feed all these people. What are you trying to do? Now, here's what it said. Jesus said that to him. See, see where you can come up with fish and bread. Here's what the, the Bible says. To prove him, for he knew in himself what he would do. John, John 6 and 6. So in other words, the whole issue of what Jesus was doing with Philip, Jesus knew there wasn't enough money. Je Come on, somebody, get this now. Jesus knew there was not enough bread. Jesus already knew there was not enough fish, but he threw it out there at him to watch his reaction to see if he's, if he's gonna just be rational, if he's gonna panic, or if he's gonna say, hey, Jesus, this is something only you can handle. So do we, when we go through dokimazo, when we go through a test, how do we react? Many times, that you, I, want, I, want to, I want to change your thinking on your testings. Many times we think the testing is something, 
well, God just, God just, uh, hell's breaking loose and the devil's all over me and I feel like Job, but we don't understand the purpose of what we are. It is a test to show you what's in you. I've said to kids before, you never know what somebody is like till you marry them. Because everybody puts on their best front during dating. Oh, I wish it, I wish the rest of you would agree. The front row's with me on this. I'm gonna preach just to the front row. I'm gonna stand it this way and let them look. While I'm gonna preach to y'all and just. Everybody puts on their best front when you're dating, but when you get married, you show who you really are. How many of you? No, I'm not gonna ask that question. I start saying, how many of you found that out? That could be a detrimental question to ask with your husband and wife sitting beside of you. We're gonna leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. To prove is the word pirazios, meaning to test Philip. Christ said to the church at Ephesus, I'm going to, you need to try those who say they're apostles, meaning put them to a test. Tell them to, tell them to pray a prayer and an answer happen. Tell them to pray a prayer and a miracle happens. Tell them to go somewhere and preach and start a church and make it happen. That's how you're going to prove if they're apostles. So there's times that God puts us, allows us, I should say, to go through a testing. Sometimes he allows us, just like with Job, for a hedge to come down for us to go through things. Listen to what he said in Revelation 3 and 10. Because you've kept, you've kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of testing, which will come upon the whole world to test. Hey! Woo! Those who dwell on the earth. The word test is parazo. The, the coming tribulation is a test. But watch this. Don't you love what I'm about to tell you? Say yes. yes. You don't know what I'm about to tell you, but say yes anyway. Yes. Did, did you know that he says a test is coming on the earth because I'm going to show everybody what's in them. I'm going to show everybody what they really are with this test. But he said, just remember this. Woo, when the hour of testing comes, I will keep you who have kept my word in the middle of the test. God Almighty, I feel the Holy Ghost here. The word keep is the, may the Lord bless and keep you, preserve you, in other words, in the blessing of the Old Testament of the high priest. God is able to keep that which I have committed unto him unto that day. I want to tell you the difference between the two. Anytime the enemy brings the test, anytime the enemy brings a perazzo, it is to get you to quit, to quit your faith and to give up. Jesus said in Luke 22 to Peter, Satan has desired you that he might sift you as wheat, but I have already prayed that your faith would not fail. That word fail, God, I'm going to preach this here. That word fail comes from a Greek word where we get the word eclipse from. And he's saying, I don't want your faith to get eclipsed. What does that mean? When you have the, the, the light in front of you, you know where to walk. You know where to talk. You can see the snake in your path. Come on, I'm going to talk to Alaska people. You can see the moose behind your house and the bear coming 
coming across your road. So when you got light, you can see. But when the darkness comes to Alaska, when the darkness comes into your life, the bear tries to sneak up on you and the moose tries to sneak up on you with his cubs. Come on, you know what I'm talking about when I say cubs? And this, and y'all, thank God y'all don't have snakes here. We got rattlesnakes in Tennessee. And you might be walking on a, mantle, on a mountain in the Smoky Mountains and accidentally you hear and when you do, you better stand still and look around you and get a stick or something because because you got a rattlesnake in your path. But what I'm trying to say is that God says to Peter, your faith is about to be eclipsed, meaning that what happens in the eclipse? One, one, either it depends on if it's solar or lunar, but one of those luminaries moves in front of the other and suddenly all the, the lights go out. In a solar eclipse, the lights go out. We saw one in Cleveland, remember that years ago? And the whole town got real dim. So he says this, Peter, Satan's going to do some things in you. He's going to try to mess you up to make your lights go out. He's going to try to make your faith go out. The whole plan of the devil is to try to make you quit, to bring something and say, if God really loved me, why does God not deal with this? Why everybody else is blessed, but I lost my job. Why is it that everybody could survive COVID, but my loved one didn't? You can ask a million questions and never get one answer. But I want to tell you what Jesus said to Peter. He said, I have already prayed. I want you to know I've got a high priest in heaven who's the professor of our faith. I've got a high priest that ever liveth to make intercession for me. And when the devil shows up, I've had him show up. Uh, what the devil don't know is Jesus has already prayed. The devil's coming after stone, but I've already prayed. The devil's coming after your kids, but you've already prayed prayed. The enemy's trying to mess you up physically, but Jesus said I've already prayed and I can keep you from the hour of the dark. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost of the thing that the devil's trying to do. If you don't help me, praise God, I'm going to lay the mic down and run outside. I promise. Hallelujah. Now, I'm almost done, but listen to this. Satan's test, make you quit, make you lose faith, make you give up, make you turn from God. But what about God? What about when God comes along? What about when God comes along? Well, God's test is always about one thing. Ready? To burn out of you what don't need to be in you. That's it. That is, take the Greek word I gave you to pierce the vessel to see what is really inside of it. Please remember... All tests are for your benefit. You, you be preach, if you preach 46 years the way I have, you've seen a lot of things in your lifetime. And I used to look at the test of God or the test of Satan totally, completely different. Till I understood these two words. The Satan brings what he brings to make me quit, give up, lose my faith. So if you're, my God, I felt the quickening. So if you're going through something that makes you want to quit, wants you lose your faith, listen to me. It ain't of God. It's not of God. It's the enemy. That's, the, that's how you discern it. But if you go through something where you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, or you feel the Holy Spirit is burning some stuff out of you, or he starts showing you, it's a bad attitude, bad attitude, I don't mean people. I'm talking the spirit of God. Uh-oh, losing your temper. You get, you're losing control. Where's your self-control? Uh-oh, uh-oh, where's your patience? Where's your patience? Uh-oh, uh-oh, you're not enduring. 
You're acting, like, you're acting crazy. Listen, I, I found out a long time ago. There's not, there's not, a, there's not a pill for stupid. <laughs> because if, I, if there was, I'd take it and crack it and put it in people's water. And I know a lot of people that would be better in about a month if there was a pill for stupid. I would be a billionaire selling it to all of you to give it to your family members that are morons, okay? So I know you got a few too. So my, <laughs> so my thing is that when you go through something that God gives you, please understand what he's doing. I'm almost done. Is that there are weaknesses in the vessel. There are flaws in the vessel. On the potter's wheel, Jeremiah said the potter was working on a vessel and had it and he found a flaw and he made it yet another vessel, which means he hit that clay and started over again. And sometimes, listen to me carefully, you will feel like God has just got you there and it's like starting all over again. I'm really serious. You, every now and then, every now and then, oh God, we're starting all over again. It's a test. Now look at your neighbor. Wait a minute, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. I was, I was about to say something. You're, and I'm, I'm gonna wrap it up right here. Years ago, when I was a kid, some of you will remember this and I'm really dating myself. Do you remember the day when you were in school and they did the nuclear drills. Did y'all do them here? There's a desk. Bell goes off and the teacher says, now everybody get under your desk and put the back of your hands on your neck, remember? And yeah, that was a drill, that was a drill. And so my, as I got older, I said, that's about the dumbest thing I ever saw. <laughs> nuclear attack and you're gonna be under your desk with your hands on the back of your neck and you're gonna survive, we made it, mom! Really? I mean, I understand they had to come up with something and, you know, I guess it made the school feel better. I don't know. Yeah, we're protecting our kids from an attack from Russia right here. <laughs> Crawl under a desk. It's just, I mean, it's like on a plane. You're over the ocean and they say, here's how you put your life jacket on. Really? Nobody survives an airplane crash over the ocean. I mean, very rare. And it's like, hey, we're going down, but we're going to make it. The water is 50 below zero, but hopefully the next five hours, they're going to come and rescue us out of the Mediterranean. I mean, you might as well just pray. Hail Mary, full of grace. If you're a Catholic, or put your hands up and ask Jesus to forgive you. Because if you're over the water, it's a very unlikely chance you're going to live. So just jump up and say, y'all going to hell. You better repent because we're going to be dead in about five minutes. better than your preacher and you're helping me <laughs> go back to the drill I promise I'm almost done go back to the drill okay now then on television and the black and white TVs you'd see this little fun funky looking round thing three prong and it would say in just a moment we're going to have a te test from the emergency broadcasting network and then you know it goes this then it says this no this is only a test had this been a real emergency? Yeah. No, had it been a real emergency, you'd be dead by now, okay? <laughs> I mean, had it been a real attack, you know, your house is nuked, everything is gone, and you're with Jesus. Praise God, hallelujah, with smoke coming off your head while you're standing there worshiping. <laughs> had it been a real emergency. But I got to thinking about this thing. This is, <laughs> some of you need some joy. I'm trying to help you out this morning. But I, I got to think about this thing. This is only a test. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, guess what? This is only a test. Stand up with me all over the building. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Pastor, I'm going to do something different. I normally give an altar call. I'm going to turn it to you, let you do what you want to do, whatever you feel. But how many of you have received the word? Raise your hand. Did you receive the word? Does it, did it help anybody here to understand? That's, that's what it's about. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Before we move on in this service, I want to take care of the most important thing that you'll hear all morning. And that's this. If you're not right with God, he reaches out to you through the word, through my voice, through Perry's preaching, that there really is a place called hell and it's to be shunned. Nicodemus coming to Jesus, questioning him. We know you're a teacher come from God. Jesus says, no man will see heaven unless he's born again. So my question to you is this, are you born again? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And if you have not done that, I implore you. I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. There's only one way to be reconciled to God, and that's by receiving God's payment for your sin. The payment for your sin and mine is Jesus. He died on a cruel Roman cross, so you don't have to die. He died in your place. A substitutionary death. He took your place so you don't have to die. God's plan, God's intention is for you to go to heaven, but you you can only be forgiven of your sin by receiving Jesus' payment for it. Like, can I tell you the one sin you can never be forgiven of? There's only one. There's only one sin that he, God will never forgive you of. You know what it is? It's denying Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and not receiving him for the payment for your sin. That is the one sin you can never be forgiven of. So won't you do it now? All under the sound of my voice, those online, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time? Or perhaps you want to make a recommitment because you drifted in your walk with the Lord. Or number three, you just want to be assured. All across this place, intercessors praying, every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you for your honesty. That's you. You want to be included in this prayer. On the count of three, slip your hand up and we're going to all pray together. Give your heart to Jesus first time. Recommit because you drifted. You want to come home. Number three, you just want to be sure. On the count of three, slip your hand high. One. Two, three, do it right now. Lift your hand high over on this side. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. I see your hand right here in the middle. Thank you, son. Thank you, son. I see that hand all the way over on, the, on your left side. I see that hand. Thank you. Would you pray this prayer right out loud? Say, dear heavenly father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands to heaven. It's a sign of surrender. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and touch and fill every person here. I'll break the chains of the enemy by the authority of the blood, by the authority of the name of Jesus. I sever and cut generational iniquity and every curse be broken of addiction and depression. In Jesus' name, be free, be loose to serve God all of your life. May God fill you with a hunger for the word, a hunger for the things of God. Oh, thank you, God. Fill and touch and bless now. Come on, someone say amen and put a hand clap together for God.
Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.